Thank you, servant person. Um, <laughs> we are in a sermon series called Church to the Max. Church to the Max. And uh, we are looking at how we might reach our maximum potential as a body of believers and as a local church. We're asking this question. What are the qualities God is looking for in a church that would allow Him, God, to use that church to its maximum capacity? What does a church to the max look like? Most, most people, when you ask them uh, what makes a, makes a church successful, or you ask them what makes a church potentially successful, they will talk to you about things that can be counted. They will talk about attendance, and they will talk about offerings and square feet and acres, and they'll say, if you've got those numbers, then you're going to be a great church. But that is not what Jesus says. When we ask Jesus what an effective, powerful, vibrant church looks like, Jesus says a lot of things, but let's look at what he says in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God gets excited when he sees a church that is willing to reach out to its community and to its city and to its county and even to the nation and the world in which it lives. And he loves it when that church realizes that the most important quality they need to reach their community and city and beyond is a willingness, a desire, a courage to love one another. And then we ask the question, why is love God's top priority for Whitley Church? Why is love God's top priority for any church? And we found two reasons. Number one, God is in the life-changing business. That is what God does. He changes lives. And he knows that life change happens best in an environment of love where people are unified. Can I tell you this morning that God wants to send unbelievers here. God wants to send new believers here. God wants to send wounded believers, damaged believers, recovering believers. God wants to send those people to a church that is loving and genuinely cares about other people. I believe God is looking down and he is trying to find churches that he can say about that church, I will send people to them because I can trust them that they will love and they will take care of and they will nurture. Can I just remind you this morning that when you drive up under that portico at the front of our church, that is not the doors to a Christian club. It is the doors to an emergency room for broken lives. And I want us to always be a church like that, that opens our doors and says, come in, come in. We will love on you and we will minister to you and we will connect you with a God who can bring total healing to your life. So God says, 
I'm, I want life change for people. And life change happens best in a church where they love each other. The second reason that God says love is his top priority is because it begins with love. And then love has all of these byproducts. The byproduct of love is trust. And so we begin to not only love one another, but we begin to trust one another. When we trust one another, then we begin to cooperate. Isn't that just a beautiful word? And as we cooperate with one another, it helps us to coordinate all of the many resources that God has put into our hands as we reach out to the broken lives all around us in this community. So God says, I want you to love one another so you will trust one another because that will cause you to work together beautifully like a well-oiled machine. Do you guys know what we are? We are a disciple-making factory. God wants us to make disciples. Now, when, you, when people ask you, what is Whitley Church all about? Give them the choo-choo train answer. And I know you all going, what in the world is he talking about? Bring them in, train them up, send them out. Bring them in, train them up, send them out. Doesn't that sound like a train? Bring them in, train them up, send them out. Raw high. Okay? So what God wants us to do is bring them in, train them up, send them out. That's our job. That's what God's called us to do. I love lifechurch.tv. You ought to check that out. That's Craig Groeschel. He's an awesome pastor. Craig says their mission statement is simply this. We want to turn people into fully devoted followers of Jesus. So when people ask you that, go, Craig Rochelle's not my pastor. Pastor Farrell is, and, our, and our, our vision statement at Whitley's just too long. So I'm going to tell you what Craig Rochelle's vision statement is. It is that we want to turn people into fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our calling. It's every church's calling. Bring them in, train them up. Send them out. You see, when we love each other, there is no limit to what God can do through us. Think about the damage of a church fuss, a church argument. Think about the damage it does. Not only the damage in that church, but think about the damage it does that is unseen. Those who do not believe, who watch that church split or watch that church break up or watch that church divide. Hey, listen, you've been there. I've been there. We've all been there probably at some level of a church division. And I think about the, the damage that does. Well, then I think about, you know, if that does so much damage, then what would it be like if there was a church in the community that loved each other based on John 13, 34, 35? I mean, if division does a lot of damage, then if we love the way the Bible says to love, that ought to do a lot of good, hadn't it? So let's be that church. Let's be that church in this community where people look at us and they go, you know, the pastor's weird, the music's crazy, but man, they sure love on you over there at that church. They love on you. And, and, and I want to be known for that. I want our church to be known for that. So if you're here and you've got an old sour spirit and, and you're going to treat people cold and stuff, you need to come up here and let us pray for you after church and get you set free. Because we want everybody in this family to be warm and welcoming and loving. You see, how this church loves each other will determine our potential. 
How this church loves each other will determine how much God can use us to accomplish his will and his purposes in this world. So what does John 13, 34, 35 love look like? I told you that there are seven components of his love. And the way I found those seven components was I just went into the Bible and found every verse that had the phrase one another in it. And most of those verses were in, um, they were in the epistles, the letters of the apostles. And uh, they talked about treat one another this way and, and don't do this to one another. And so as I listed all of those verses, it looked to me as if they fell into seven categories. And we have talked about two of them and we'll talk about the third one today. The first one was accept one another. And the verse that I used for that one, and I could have used several verses, but the one I used was Romans 15, 7. And can I remind you here that Paul is in jail? That Paul is in jail when he writes this? As a matter of fact, when you understand that Paul was in jail in the book of Romans, it makes that book take on an entirely new and fresh meaning for you. And when you understand that, uh, when you read the book of Philippians, that Paul was in jail... You know, it always amazes me about the book of Philippians. Paul's in jail, and he's writing a letter to people who aren't in jail to encourage them. What a great man of God he was. And so in Romans 15, 7, from his jail cell, he writes, Hey, guys, come on. That's, that's my paraphrase. See, I'm, there's going to be a Farrell Hardison paraphrase one day, and I'm, that, I'm just going ahead and giving you. But he says, he says, hey, guys, come on. Accept each other. He's writing to free people. <laughs> He's in jail and he's writing to free people. He says, come on, guys, accept each other. And, and, he, and the way you should accept each other is as Christ accepted you. And then if you will do that, you will glorify God. Wow, what a powerful verse. See, if we're an accepting church, and we can hear sermons on this, and I don't know if you noticed today, but we sang about loving one another and we, even our song was a prayer asking God to help us love as he loved. Do you all remember those words this morning? We just sang those words, and it was really our song was a prayer to God. We can sing those songs till we're blue in the face. We can teach on this till we're blue in the face. But I'm telling you, until we walk this out, and until we say to everybody who walks in this building, you belong here. You belong here. That's an accepting church. An accepting church is that you don't look at people who may look a little different or act a little different or, or they look like they're not from around here. I mean, they could be like a, from a foreign country like California or, or New York, you know, and they could come here. And, 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 and I'm just saying to you, I'm just saying to you, don't, let's be warm and welcoming and accepting. Let's send a message to everybody that comes here, you belong here. You say, yeah, but they might not belong here, and they might really be a problem, and they might, you know, God doesn't send everybody. I understand that, but God will take care of that. God doesn't tell you to take care of that. He tells you to love them, and he'll take care of that. How many of you know if we stay on our face before God, he will protect us, and he will take care of us? And we don't have to freak out about, oh, you know, I don't know if they belong here or not. i got to tell you something. There have been people who come to Whitley that right off the bat I thought, you know, they're not going to fit here, they're not going to work here. Can I tell you that some of them are still here and are doing a fabulous job, and, and, and my opinion of them changed because... Even though I, I have discernment, I miss it sometimes. And you can miss it sometimes too. 
And because one person acted one way and they turned out to really be a problem, that doesn't mean the next person who reminds you of them is going to be the same way. Are y'all with me this morning? So we've got to be loving and accepting toward one another. Number two, we talked about this last week, we've got to forgive one another. We've got to create in this church a culture of forgiveness. And can I tell you guys something? We're pretty good at this stuff. I'm not kidding you. If we compare ourselves to most churches around, we're pretty good. But I don't want us to compare ourselves to other churches. Because i got to tell you something. I, I get to go to other churches from time to time that are better at it than we are. Amen, amen. I'm just saying. They're, more, they're friendlier. They're more, they're more toward the, the visitor, toward the guest. I want us to learn that. I want us to learn that, to be more about others when we come to church and not so much about ourselves. Keep your head on swivel, just like I told you. Keep your head on swivel. They taught us that in football when I played tailback in football because I'd run out on the field and he'd say, get your tailback on the bench. But, um, <clears throat> but he taught me. He taught me to, to, you know, Hardison, keep your head on swivel. Now, Hardison, that's your guy right there. That's your guy. That's your guy. Hey, but doofus, if the man with the ball's running around there, go get him. You know, don't let the guy with the ball get away just because you're going, I got my guy. I got my guy right here. Go, you know, keep your head on swivel. You do have an assignment, but you might have to pull away from that assignment to meet a need. So when you see somebody come in our church who has that deer in the headlights look, Go up to them and, and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm so-and-so. And you might only been here a few weeks. And go ahead and take ownership, man. We welcome you to go ahead and take ownership and say, hey, uh, I'm new here and I know where the bathroom is. Can I show you that? You know? And just be nice to people. Be friendly to people. Because then when you do that, here's what happens. Their heart melts. Their heart gets soft. And then when they come in and hear the music and hear the preaching, they might not understand it all and comprehend it all. But something gets in there. And something just works in them. Because in every man and woman is a desire to know God through Jesus. And so let's start. It, start, it doesn't start in here. It doesn't start with the first song. It starts out there. It starts driving up on that parking lot and that parking attendant going, good morning, park anywhere you want to, you know. We don't tell people really where to park, you know, really, unless we're having a big event and, and, and parking is limited. We don't tell, we're just out there just to go, hey, man, how y'all doing? A guy told me uh, who was new to our church, he said, man, I... He said, we were nervous, we were scared. He said, we'd heard about Whitley, you know. And we're not a big church when you compare us to churches around the world, but we're a big church for our community. And so they said, well, I pulled up, said my wife was crying because, you know, we had had to leave the church where we were, and we, you know, we love that church, but it was just a situation where we had to leave. And, and so we're, she's crying, and it's the first Sunday we've ever, uh, you know, been away from our church in, in a bunch of years, and and they said, we, we just wanted to try out Whitley, and we pulled up. We're already kind of tight, you know, and nervous. And said the first thing when we pulled in, the parking attendant went, stop. <laughs> he thought, oh, no, what about, I've already done something. He said he stopped and rolled his window down. He said, and that guy said, hey, how y'all doing? <laughs> and they said, man, we're doing good. He said, we're glad to have y'all park anywhere you want to. God bless you. <laughs> I love my parking guys. Amen, amen. Because see, that's awesome. That just put them at ease. Another girl told me a story that her husband had just been deployed. 
like the day before, the Friday before. And by the way, we just had a whole bunch of guys leave and go, go overseas and to serve our country and, and protect us. And let's pray. We got a lot of ladies, a lot of wives here. And guys, be sensitive to that. And let's reach out to them and love them. And, uh, and, and let's become aware of the people around us and what their needs are. But uh, she said, I, I got out, I pulled up, and she said, I had diaper bags, and I had three kids, and she said, it was kind of raining, and I pulled up, and she said, I was like, oh, help me, Jesus. She said, all of a sudden, there were three people over me with umbrellas. Beautiful, 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 awesome. And she said, they took, they took my babies, they took my stuff. I don't know where they took it, but they took it. <laughs> <clears throat> And she said, I just need a break from the children, so I went, whatever. And um, so they took them to the nursery and helped them get settled in kids' church. And she came in and sat down knowing her kids were happy. And, and uh, isn't that awesome? That's what I'm talking about. You belong here. See, don't make it about you. When you come to church, make it about other people. Just keep your head on swivel. You know what will happen to that mom? She'll one day be a, a, a guest guide, and she'll remember how she felt, and, and she'll, she'll bless somebody just like she got blessed. So we got we to gotta accept one another, and then, and then forgive one another, a culture of forgiveness. You know, God said forgive each other, so that assumes we're going to what? Mess up. I mean, why would God say forgive each other if he didn't know pretty much we were going to bump into each other from time to time? You say, well, I've been coming to this church, this, and I just, I've not had any comment. Just keep coming. Keep coming. We're, it's, you're going to, you know, I, we're, you're going to get offended. You're going to get offended. Uh, I mean, if you go to the church anywhere long enough, stuff's going to happen. You go, what is that? Why did he say that? What in the world is going on with that? It's just going to happen. So we ought to create, create this up atmosphere and this culture of forgiveness where we give people space to mess up and we don't immediately assume that their motive was bad you know sometimes people just dumb <laughs> not y'all but I'm talking about that second service crowd I'm telling you there's some people just you know I do stuff and I go what did I do that for I go home and look in the mirror and go who are you what did you do with me you know and and, and I just do stuff sometimes I go why did I do that and, um, and, and I don't really mean to. Look what he says in Ephesians 4, 30 and 32. He says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. What a great statement. Did you know you can make God's Holy Spirit sorrowful by the way you live? I've done that. I've done that. I've made the Holy Spirit sorrowful by the way I live. And I know y'all want me to tell you about it, and I'm not going to. Because <laughs> y'all have too. Remember what it's, remember here in the scripture, remember he is the one who has identified you as his own. And, and he guarantees that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now that one I'm counting on. And you say, well, you say, well, how do I bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way I live? Glad you asked. Get rid of all bitterness. That brings sorrow to God's Holy Spirit when you're bitter. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Well, if I can't do this, those things, what am I supposed to do? Glad you ask. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted. Here it is. Forgiving one another. And then he throws in that high standard as 
God through Christ has forgiven you. You see, there's way too much at stake not to forgive each other. There, there's stuff that's way more important than you and your little disagreement with another believer. Amen, amen. Get over it. Come on. Forgive, let it go, and get over it. This church is at stake. The potential impact on the loss that we would have is at stake. The gospel of Jesus Christ is at stake. Listen, whether your children and grandchildren come to Jesus is at stake. I mean, if you go home every Sunday and have preacher for lunch, or you have deacon for lunch, or you have whatever and you're just criticizing the music and criticizing the church. And that's what, listen, your kids learn that model. They learn that. They listen to you and they learn that. And, and they may even grow up to say, you know what, man, if the church is the way mom and dad described every Sunday after church, I ain't going to church. I'm done with church, man. They're nicer to me at Walmart than they are at Whitley. You know, I'm. I mean, I thought people really were pretty nice, but boy, after hearing mom and daddy talk, there's some scoundrels out there at that church, you know? All right, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about care for one another. So you got to accept one another, forgive one another. Number three, care for one another. That's what our little skit was about. Let's talk about it. Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear one another's burdens. And that word bear means endure or carry. I'm reading this out of the Amplified Bible. If you don't have one of those, get one. Uh, they're, they're awesome. Um, so it says, bear, endure, carry one another's burdens. And not only carry one another's burdens, but listen to this. This, this kind of goes back to that forgiveness thing. And help them carry their troublesome moral thoughts. Okay? And in this way, you will fulfill and observe perfectly the what? Law of Christ. What did Jesus say in John 13, 34, 35? A new what I give you? Command. So he is going back actually here. If you study your Bible, Paul is referring back to John 13, 34, 35 when Jesus said, I give you a new command. Love one another. He says, if you will do this, if he says, if you will bear one another's burdens and if you will bear one another's moral failures and moral faults troublesome moral faults he says you will be obeying john 13 34 35 everybody listen to me that's the wonderful thing about the bible the bible doesn't say now everybody just go out there and love each other go out there and love the bible then goes and here's what that love looks like i love that about the bible it doesn't leave it hanging. It says love each other, and here's what it looks like. Number one, accept each other. That's how you love each other as Christ loved the church. Accept each other the way Jesus accepted you. Number two, forgive each other the way Jesus has forgiven you. Number three, care for each other the way Jesus cares for you. That's what John 13, 34, uh, 35, love looks like. He says, you will fulfill the law of Christ and complete what is lacking. And what he's talking about there is what is lacking in your obedience to the laws of God. So Jesus says, love one another. And then in Galatians, the apostle Paul comes along and says, one of the ways you love each other, one of the ways you show it is by caring for one another. So then let's go even deeper and let's ask this question. What does that look like? 
What does caring for one another look like? How do we do this caring for one another? Well, Paul gives us kind of a word picture here. It's the picture of somebody who's trying to carry something so heavy that it's about to take them down under the weight. So Paul says, I want you to picture that. I want you to picture somebody who's trying to carry something so heavy that their knees are about to buckle. He said, and what I'm talking about when I talk about caring is that you would run up to them and run up under that weight with them and you would, you would help them carry it. You would help them lift it up. Now listen very carefully to me. The way we do that, and here's where it gets hard now. Here's where it gets hard, and I'm going to be real honest this morning. Where it gets hard is that, that what he means by that is we've got to do more than sympathize with people. We've got to do more than empathize. We've got to act. We've got to take action to help people. We can't just talk about it. I'm telling you, the skip was perfect today because that is the typical church. If I can do anything, let me know. And boy, I, you know, Millie and I talked about that. How many times do we say that to people? You know, if I can do anything, man, just let me know. And I mean that. I mean that. But then when they call and they go, well, I really do, it's like, oh, Lord, help. I didn't know you were actually going to help asking me to, you know. So we care for our members. And when I say members, I don't mean people who join the church. We're about to have 101 next Sunday night, a week from today, next Sunday night. And you can take 101 if you just want to know more about the church or if you're ready to join the church. And probably after that class, we'll have a whole bunch of people who will stand up here and become members of our church, and that's great. But can I tell you something? If you are, if you are born into the family of God, if you've, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you're a part of this family. You're a part of this family. There are, there are very few positions you can't serve in without being a member. There are a few positions we require membership, but not very many because really, church membership in the sense of taking a class and standing up in front of the church, there's really no biblical precedent for that. So we, we allow people to serve. Matter of fact, we have some positions that the only requirement is a pulse. <laughs> and we will work you like a what? Rented mule. Exactly. So in a healthy church... In a healthy church, when I, so when I talk about members, I'm not talking about people who are on the roll. I'm talking about people who are just in our church. In a healthy church, nobody is supposed to have to carry the weights and burdens of life alone. In a healthy church. We're called, instructed, and commanded to take care of one another. When somebody in this church has a need, we are to minister to that need. Now, let's get real and ask this question, why? Do we have a hard time with this? Why do we have a hard time with this? Because i got to tell you something. When I encounter somebody, and I'm sure you, when you encounter some situations of people who have needs, you go into a guilt mode. And here's what the guilt mode says. It says one of these three things. It says, I ought to help this person, but I don't think I can, so I won't, and now I feel guilty. The next thing it says is, I ought to help this person, so I'll try, but I'm not really capable because I really don't know how to help them with that particular, the particular need they have, so I'm pretty sure I'm going to fail, and then when I fail, then I'll feel guilty. And then the third thing we do is we go, 
I will help this person. I am determined I'm going to help this person. I will burn so much energy trying to meet this person's needs that I will burn myself out and then I will become somebody with needs. Isn't that true? Isn't that the truth? And so the result of this is that when a person with needs approaches us, we're usually kind of non-committal. You know, we kind of, you know, if you've been a Christian long enough, you, you, you learn these behaviors uh, when people come up to you with great needs. And we kind of hang back a little bit and, and we kind of, you know, just keep going, well, I'm going to help you and I will and blah, blah, blah. And really in the back of our mind, we're just kind of hoping they'll just quit asking us. Can we get real here today? Amen? Instead of helping the hurting, we usually try to shy away from them. We shy away from the needy. Now, here's the ultimate consequence of that. The ultimate consequence of that is that our testimony as a church gets damaged because we talk about being a church body that cares and meets the needs of people, but the fact is our talk doesn't match our walk, and outsiders think we're frauds. Are y'all listening? Don't leave me, because there's going to be a solution at the end. So if you leave early, you're going to leave depressed. So let's just summarize. When we encounter people with needs, constant needs, and I know none of them are here this morning. They all come to the second service. But let me just talk about a certain kind of people who seem to always have one crisis after another. Stop. Don't point. <laughs> Do not point at people as wrong or say somebody's name out loud. See, listen, there are inside words and outside words. Just make sure your inside words stay in this morning. Every time you see them, there is uh, another chapter. It's ongoing, and the tendency as we think to ourselves, since I can't meet this person's needs, I'm going to just kind of avoid this relationship altogether and pray that somebody else will come along and meet your needs. And in a church our size, we're going to have some people with major needs, and, and look, you know what? I know you guys, I know you, and, and I know your heart is to help people. I know it is. I mean, if I brought a family in here today and, and told you about some tragedy and I said, we need a love offering, some of you who don't even have jobs and you've been laid off, you give every penny you had. I know your heart. Your heart is to help people. I'm not up here saying you don't want to help people. Listen, I have those same feelings. I'm a pastor. I'm not even supposed to have those feelings. And I have those same feelings. But I'll tell you something, in the last few days, I've learned something new about the Word of God. And it's a very simple thing, but I've been a preacher since I was 17 and a pastor since I was 19 and I got to tell you something God gave me something fresh and I'm about to give it to you but I got to tell you before I got hold of this I had these same guilty things because I had people come to me you know and I'm like the need magnet I'm the pastor it's my personal responsibility people come to me most of the time to share their needs with one of our pastoral staff and I got to tell you sometimes I feel so inadequate to meet their needs and the reason I feel inadequate to meet people's needs and the reason you feel inadequate to meet people's needs is because we are inadequate. Y'all feel good about yourself now? Our pastor told me this morning I was inadequate and I am just rejoicing. 
we are inadequate. It's like the guy who went to the psychiatrist and he said, man, I've got an inferiority complex. And so the psychiatrist talked to him, put him through a, a barrage of tests. It took several weeks. And then at the end of it, he brought him in. He said, I've got good news for you. You are not, you do not have an inferiority complex. And the guy said, praise God, what is my problem? He said, you really are inferior. It's not a complex. You really are. So I'm inadequate to meet people's needs. You're inadequate to meet people's needs. And, and look, when we are inadequate and we don't realize it, because here's what we think. Here's what we think. And i got to close because my time's gone. But here's what we think. We think that when God said, care for one another, that that meant feral hardison. When a person comes up to you, you, feral hardison, find out all their needs, and you, feral hardison, by yourself, meet all their needs. And you care for that person. And so we try to do it, and it doesn't work, and we get discouraged and frustrated and depressed and sometimes even angry, and we have a loss of ministry motivation. And over a period of time, everybody in the church had the same idea the pastor did, that it's your responsibility one-on-one -on -one, to meet a person's needs. And you have this spiritual talk where you go, I know God put us together, and the reason God put us together is so I could help you and meet all your needs. Listen, you can't do it. You're inadequate to do it. You say, well, what in the world are we supposed to do? Let me answer this question by giving you an illustration. Have you all ever seen one of those shows where they actually do a surgery on TV? And I can't watch much of that stuff because I'm not really good at that. And if some of y'all ever get hurt and you're on the side of the road, I will blow the horn and call 911, but I'm going on to the house. <laughs> I love you, man, but I just can't look at stuff like that. Thank God for people who can, amen? I mean, when I give blood, I cry like a woman. I, I'm just. So have y'all ever seen one of those shows, though? There's a patient, and then there's, there's, there, there's like two rows of people around the table. You can't even see the patient. You know, I've never seen a surgeon go, everybody get out of here. I got it. Anesthesiologist, this person. Get out, I got it. He don't got it because he's got to have a team. That's what Jesus meant. We are to work as a team. Some of you are so discouraged and some of you are fried and some of you don't want to admit it because you're not having much success. You're trying to meet. It takes more than just you to meet that person's need God's brought into your life. So you say, what do I do? Here's what you do. Number one, when you encounter somebody with a need, you inform somebody. Tell somebody. That's what that blue card's for on Sunday morning. If you know somebody that's hurting in our church, you put it down. And if it's a private matter, just put down there. We've got it down there. Uh, it's a private matter. Have someone call me, and we'll call you. One of the pastors will call you. And, and, and we will help you, and we'll find out what that person's need is. And a team of people will help that person. Now, there's some people you can't help. Because they like their negative stuff. They like it. Isn't it true? They don't want to be set free. They don't want to be delivered. I remember one time, some of y'all remember too, we had a situation, we, we got around this person that we loved, and we said, 
and we said to this person, we said, that person's going to help you with that part of your life, and that person's going to help you with that, and that person's going to help you, and Pastor Farrell's there, and he's going to do some things, and that person's going to do some things. And we get, and it was all free, and we laid it all out, and that person would not receive that help. And to this day, they criticize our church because we won't help them. So there's some people you can't help. But can I tell you something that's really, really rare? And if you get burned on that, don't let that make you not help the next person. Okay? You say, well, Pastor, where is this team? Who is this team? Well, one of the things I want to put together is I want to put together a team of people who are gifted at counseling. Because I'm going to tell you something, the counseling load here is amazing. And we do the best we can. Now, you're also going to run into people who are going to come to you and say, I've got a need, and you go, okay, well, I can do this part, but then this person and this person and this person, they're going to help you with the other parts. And they're going to look at you, and they're going to say, no, I just want you. Now, those people have crazy eyes. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when a person says that to you right there, that is emotional dependency knocking on your door. And don't you let anybody do that to you. Don't let anybody put you on a guilt trip and go, no, I just have to have, that happens to me all the time. I want counseling, but I want you to do it. Listen, I can't do it all. I can't do it all. If I try to do it all, I'm going to be dead and nobody's going to get any ministry from me. Amen, amen. And there are some situations I'll take and there are some situations I want to be involved in, but there are some situations I need to pass over to somebody else. We are a team, but not only just that, I'm not talking about just the pastoral staff, I'm talking about some of you are better counselors than anybody on our pastoral staff. Some of you, if I, if I knew some of you who were gifted in the area of discernment and counseling and wisdom and knowledge and that kind of thing, see, we would know and we could connect those people with you and we could go, I can see you in three weeks or I can hook you up with so-and-so tomorrow. And most of the time that person's go, I'll take tomorrow, even though I don't know who so-and-so is. And all of a sudden they realize, well, you go to this person if you have that, and then we'll connect you with this person if your problem is that, and we'll connect you with this person. And we've got all kind of ministries that do this kind of thing. But here's what you got to ask. you got to inform somebody. Here's what you got to do. When somebody with a need comes up to you, you got to tell somebody, and then you got to do this. That second step is very important. you got to say, Where do, what, what do I do on the team? See, you can't just hand everybody off. You've got a role. You say, Pastor, I can't counsel. I can't. Blah, 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 blah. I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't know how. You know how to drive a car? You might have to take them to the doctor. That might be your deal. So, so it's essential that you understand that you have to tell somebody, Pastor, here's a person in need, or Pastor Andy, or, or Pastor Jared, or whoever, here's a person in need. Uh, and, and pastor, here's what I can do. If you could get or connect me with some other people who can do, the, they have these other needs, and we will work together and we'll put together a team. Now, I can't make that person receive this ministry, but if they're serious about being free and they're serious about being cared for, we will care for them as a team. It's body ministry. So you've got to act. You've got to inform somebody. When somebody comes to you with a need, you've got to inform somebody. The blue card's a great way to do that. 
Another thing you got to do is go, what's my place on the team? What's my place on the team? Okay? All right. Let me just close with this. And tell the visitors what enclosing means. Exactly. Okay. It's body ministry. Have you ever noticed when you hit your finger with the hammer? I don't know about y'all, but I don't know how to build anything. But some once in a while, I'll just get a hammer and some boards and stuff because I'm a man. I got, like, you know, and I just got to nail something. And so usually when I do that, I hit my finger with the hammer. And when I hit my finger with the hammer, I don't go, foot, minister to this finger. And then I look at the foot and go, you are not gifted in this area. My whole body just automatically goes to work. First of all, my mouth goes, mama, mama, where's my mama? (laughs) (laughs) And then I go, and I don't know why I do this. Because I don't know where this finger's been, but I know where it's going. (laughs) It's just automatic. And then my whole body just kind of goes, and it's body ministry. When somebody's hurting, we just all go in motion to minister to that person. Does that make sense? So will you be a part of the team? Will you stop backing away from helping burdened people? And will you step up to the plate and say, I can't do it myself, but I'm willing to be a part of a team pastor that'll help people with their marriage and help people with a sick child. Do you all know we have several families in this church who have extremely sick children? They need us. And pastor, I'll do what I can to help with this person's depression, or I'll do what I can to help with this person's financial problems. We've got a ministry called Helping Hands, where we go around and, and fix things at, at the house maybe of a widow or, or some person whose husband is deployed and, and you know, they, they uh, are at home alone and, and something breaks and we want them to be able to call the church and go, can, can anybody help my car or my, and we want to be able to send somebody to go by there and do it totally free and say, Listen, we're here to bless you from the church. Isn't that beautiful? See, that's caring for each other. That's putting, my old grandma used to say, put some legs on your prayers. Put some feet on your prayers. You know, we get so spiritual sometimes we just pray and you got to move too, man. It's action. It's action, not just sympathy and empathy. We got a ministry called Divorce Care. We got a ministry called Financial Peace University. We're going to help people who are in debt. I heard a great story. I don't know who it was, so... So don't be embarrassed, but Matt Chestnut was telling me about a couple in the church who were just in tears about their financial situation, and he started telling them what what we were going to do for them through Financial Peace University, and when they left, they had a big smile on their face. See, that's caring for people. People feel hopeless. People feel like there's no, no way out, and it's the church's responsibility to say, yes, there is a way. We're going to come together as a team, and we're going to help you. Now listen, those of you who are in need, you've got to let us help you. And you can't enjoy your need because it gets you attention. I know people who, when they find out they're going to the hospital, they're so excited. I'm going to the hospital, I'm going to have major surgery. Woohoo! Because they, they know people are going to, you know, give them a lot of attention. Listen, that's no way to live. We want you free. We want you free. 
Why does God get excited when we care for each other? Here's why. There's nothing in the world as a daddy that excites me more than to see without my instruction or without my prodding to see one of my children helping my other child. When I see Brandon helping Mitch or Mitch helping Brandon, there's nothing that excites me more. To know I had nothing to do with that, I didn't tell them to do that, I just taught them stuff a long time ago, and the stuff I taught them a long time ago kicks in, and they start caring for each other and taking care of each other. That excites me as a daddy. There's nothing that excites God more when he looks down at Whitley Church and he sees us not doing like the people in the skit today, because we're guilty of that, but actually taking action as a group, as a body, and helping people. When the world sees us doing that to each other, they will say, what meaneth this? And then they will say, what must I do? What must I do to have in my heart whatever it is they got in their heart at Whitley that makes them love each other so much? I don't have that. And then we look at them and we say, it isn't us at all. It's Jesus in us. Amen, amen. Sounds like they're ready to come in on it. Hold back the hordes of people. Hold them back. Let's, um, let's pray. Help us, God. Help us not just be talkers. Help us be doers. Help us not just sympathize and empathize, but help us take action in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Now, we're going to have people up here who will pray for you. If you'd like to have special prayer, you can come at this time. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Check, check.